Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. West. it's the middle of the week, and that means we take a closer look at the Packers' upcoming opponent, and that is... Surprise, surprise, it's the Minnesota Vikings. Monday night football, it'll be at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis this coming Monday on December 23rd. The Vikings are 10-4. and We all know what the Packers' playoff scenarios are. Win the NFC North with one more victory. Clinch a first-round bye with two more victories. The Vikings' playoff situation is this. They are in the playoffs with one more win or a loss by the Rams. And if they win their last two games and the Packers would also lose to Detroit, then the Vikings would be the NFC North champs. So that's where it stands for them. And really the one thing, when I my first glance at the Vikings statistical sheet before we sat down here, there's one thing that jumped out at me the most. It's that they are undefeated at home. They are 500 on the road. That old adage of win all your home games, split yeah. your road games, and you'll be 12-4, and four, that's exactly, from their perspective, what they're on track to do. They have two home games to finish up. They are 6-0 and at U.S. Bank Stadium this year, including an awfully big comeback victory over the Broncos. And I don't know if it was Aaron Rodgers or Matt LaFleur who talked about it, but sometimes that strategy isn't even good enough now <laughs> with the way that the NFL plays out. That also Certainly in the, in the NFC this year, 12-4 and four does not get you <laughs> what it has gotten yeah. you in a lot of other years. But be that as it may, this has been a really difficult environment for the Packers to play in. You and I were in there uh, in 2000, was it 16? The, the year that they opened it up. Yeah. And I also covered games in the Metrodome. And I can tell you, for as much as the Metrodome was praised and lauded for its volume and, and boisterous atmosphere, U.S. Bank Stadium is its own different animal. Because, yeah, you're still getting a relatively loud environment. You can debate how much of that is natural or how much of that is synthesized. Yeah. But they have, you know, they did the whole skull thing. They brought in the mountain from Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, they've, they've done a lot of different things to kind of ramp up their, their action. But let's be honest, Mike, the biggest thing is, is the on-field product's been pretty darn good here the last few seasons. <laughs> yeah, it They've is. had some ups. They've had some downs. But every time they've had a setback or a disappointment, I give Mike Zimmer a lot of credit for rallying his team back. That's where they sit right now trying to make a run at this thing in the postseason to come. Yeah, well, the Vikings are in the uh, – their season has gone – pretty much to pattern and what I mean by that is with Mike Zimmer the Vikings have been on this alternating years of being a playoff contender in the odd numbered years 15 17 and 19 2016 2018 they stumble a little bit and they don't get back to the postseason so they've been on this kind of one one year up one year down this is definitely an up year for them I think for all of the talk about Dalvin Cook and we'll certainly talk about him as the week goes along because he left last week's game when they were playing the Chargers. He left with a shoulder injury, but the reports out of Minnesota are that he's going to be okay and they are expecting him to play on Monday night, so we'll see what shakes out there. But I have to give a lot of credit to Kirk Cousins because you look at his numbers this year, he obviously signed that big contract with Minnesota last year, came with all kinds of pressure, all kinds of expectations, didn't live up to them. The Vikings missed the playoffs one year after being in the NFC Championship game. But then this year, Kirk Cousins has come back, and he, without question, is having the best season of his career. His passer rating is 111, which is 10 points higher than any passer rating that he's ever had for a single season in his career to this point. 
Right. And I think the most important thing that stands out about that is that he's only thrown five interceptions this season with two regular season games to go, and he has been in double-digit interceptions the last four years running. So Kirk Cousins has definitely taken his game to another level here. And, yes, he's got Stephon Diggs, he's got Adam Thielen, he's got Dalvin Cook, and he's got that defense. But they pretty much had all of that last yeah, year, too, right. and Kirk Cousins wasn't quite getting the job done. He is this year. So Marvin right now can put up the video of me talking about Kirk Cousins early in the season when they had some of the issues they did and, and me mentioning that, you know, this guy still a pretty good quarterback. Mark, we can go – or Marvin, we can go to the tape right now if you want to bring that up. <laughs> There were so many fans that wanted to throw him on the discard pile. Oh, my gosh, yeah. They wanted to kick him to the curb. And I get it because you're a fan and you're super into it. But, man, you just got to pull yourself back and look at this thing from, like, 10,000 feet up. And there aren't a lot of quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins in this league. And then, by the way, that giant contract that he had got a couple years ago, that set the tone for all the other contracts to come. It's not like you're just paying him tens of millions of dollars more than what every other quarterback's making right i mean point. here he is in year two of that contract and his salary does not look that exorbitant no. compared to what other elite you know other top level elite level quarterbacks are making in this league. kirk cousins is a dang fine quarterback and he's helped them have a lot of success in minnesota mike zimmer the quote i always go back to you know in the last couple of weeks i keep bringing up over and over again about the 2016 nfc championship game and yeah. and rogers and his comments about wanting to play games at home i thought the biggest comment that mike zimmer's made during his entire time as a head coach right now at the Minnesota Vikings goes back two years ago when he said going into the offseason before they signed Kirk Cousins they had all these other quarterbacks they had to make a decision on he said we have to make the right choice because I probably won't be able to survive it like they they have to get the right quarterback or the Mike Zimmer era might have ended yeah they did that Mike yeah and not only that they went and found the best quarterback available and it happened to be a pretty darn good year to do it there are so many quarterbacks in this league right now that have one good year or a couple good games as a backup, and they get paid monstrous amount of money. Mike Glennon is the one that probably jumps up more than any in, in this point of time. They paid Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins has produced for them, and he has been the consistent presence that they have needed for years in Minnesota. And you're right, during the times where they haven't had Adam Thielen or they haven't had Delvin Cook or guys have been banged up, he's been the galvanizing force that has pushed them forward and allowed them to be here playing meaningful football into middle December. Yeah, well, a couple of those offensive weapons for the Minnesota Vikings, Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs, having, quite frankly, monster seasons. Yeah, Dalvin Cook over 1,100 <laughs> rushing yards. Stephon Diggs is over 1,000 yards receiving, both of them with two regular season games left to add to those totals. Adam Thielen... Not having as big a year, been dealing with a bunch of injuries, but he actually still leads them in touchdown yeah, receptions weird, with six. He's yeah. only caught 30 passes all season long, but six for touchdowns. So one out of every five times Adam Thielen catches a pass. Five it's, games. In, it's in the end zone. Yeah, yeah. he's missed a, a third of the season, essentially. So um, he's got Cousins has a lot around him to work with, and, uh, and this Vikings offense has been uh, – Boy, I mean, they, when when they get rolling, and especially when they've been playing at home, I think. But even we saw that Monday night game in Seattle when they yeah. they got down, and then they got kind of got things cranked up again. This is a this is a dangerous offense, and uh, and 
playing at their place, you know, the fast track, all of that kind of stuff. Packers are going to have their hands full here. Sixth in points right now, 27 points per game, 10th in total yards, 12th in passing, 4th in rushing. Now, we do have to actually see how things shake out with Cook this week. Zimmer right. did express optimism, but I know there were some ESPN reports out there questioning whether or not Cook would play. That's all well, this seems to be a thing out. where he keeps leaving games yeah. and not being able to finish the game, but then the next week he's, he's back right in the back. lineup again. And so it's it been happened this, with the ankle last week, right? Two it's weeks it's ago. it's been this in and out thing with uh, with the injuries with him. So hard to say, but there is an extra day here in terms of exactly. recovery with the game being on a Monday night and all that. So we'll uh, we will see how it plays out over the weekend. And there's just no way to replace him. I mean, he is he is the guy in that offense. And you and I have had a chance to watch him for a couple seasons now when he's been healthy. Man, I mean, this is one of the top two three running backs in the league at this point and Stefan Diggs to mention him you know this could be a week we've seen Jair Alexander really graduate I think over this last month to being a shutdown corner I mean it seems like they're more comfortable putting him in that role now yeah. having him travel with guys now Adam Thielen is a big task himself but I, I'm this will be an interesting one for how they want to defend him because it's not just about the Vikings and Diggs it's about Kenny Galladay the following week too and Although Matt Stafford now is on injured reserve and his season is over, Galladay is a guy that can still really hurt you. So seeing exactly how they deploy Jair Alexander in these games to come is going to be really interesting because I think it's going to set the tone for how they use him in the playoffs. Yeah, I think so too. Here's an interesting thing, Wes. As I said, I kind of glanced through the Minnesota Vikings stat sheet before we sat down here and turned the camera on. Dalvin Cook, 13 rushing touchdowns this year. Aaron Jones, 14 rushing yeah. touchdowns this year. The Minnesota Vikings defensively have 16 interceptions. The Packers have 15 interceptions. Zadarius and Preston Smith have combined for 21 and a half sacks. Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin have combined for 21 and a half sacks. <laughs> There's just some statistics with these two teams that are really interesting in how they correspond and how they match up in uh, some key areas here. And I, for one, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Vikings' defense in a minute, but I, for one, think that uh, this game, if if there is a, if there is a game that you're that you want to say, boy, it'd be great for the Packers to win the turnover battle. I think it's this one. I mean, in that environment, with what the Packers offensively are going to be dealing with, with Minnesota's pass rush and yeah. all of the noise and all of the challenges that come with protecting the football in that environment. If the Packers can successfully do that and they might be able to get a takeaway or two from Minnesota's offense, I just I just think any turnovers in this game are going to potentially be huge, huge momentum. Stars. Yeah, and there's only a handful of teams that rank in the top 10 in the league right now in both giveaways and takeaways in terms of limiting the number of giveaways. And the Packers and, and Vikings are in that category too. So when you're playing Kirk Cousins and he plays as high percentage of football as he does, yeah. which again... I understand for some Vikings fans that can be maddening at times, but he plays really high percentage. You don't get a 70% completion percentage just by winging it. He's very methodical about how he approaches things. Yeah. that Pat, I mean, I, be, I bet Kirk Cousins, if he's asked this week leading up to this game about his season and about the first game against Green Bay back in week two, I bet he would rank that interception he threw to Kevin King in the end zone in the fourth yeah. quarter at Lambeau Field. Might be, he might call that his worst pass of the season. Yeah. I, mean, I think he right. knows, he knows that. And, and to his credit, you know, I he—it's he, not like he's gone on some interception binge. As I said, he's only had five interceptions yeah. all season long when he's been in double digits for the last four years in a row. So uh, um, he he learned a lesson a little bit from uh, that first game here at Lambeau Field, and uh, the Packers are going to have to 
force him into that kind of a mistake, I think, on Monday night. He's not just going to make it on his own as he did in that instance when it was a f- basically a first-and-goal play with the game on the line. Well, something else to keep in mind, too, there's a lot of times you'll see quarterbacks in this league. I, I think Daniel Jones is a good example of this, where Daniel Jones hasn't thrown an exorbitant amount of interceptions this year, but he had an exorbitant amount of fumbles that he lost. Uh, Kirk Cousins doesn't hurt you either way. It's not his fumbles. He only has three lost on the season, and it's not his interceptions. But if you go back and roll back the film, in their four losses, three of them he has turned over the football. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's been that kind of slight margin for error that has been really the difference between victory and defeat for them this season. And when Kirk Cousins is playing consistently and can work the ball downfield, everybody always talks about that with him, right? It's about developing a rhythm early, and as the game wears on, that's when the explosive plays start to show themselves a little bit more. That's going to be the big key for him, especially if Delvin Cook ends up being limited or depending on what happens there with the shoulder injury and it lies more on his hands, they're going to have to be something to watch. But I think if nothing else has proven this season is that for the first time you could make an argument that they now have an offense that is right up there with their defense when everything is firing the way it's supposed to be, that they aren't playing catch-up, they're in that stratosphere. Yeah, I would agree. I want to ask you one thing about their defense, and there are certainly a lot of things that jump out. As I said, they have 16 interceptions as a team. I believe it's Anthony Harris at safety leads them with five. But Daniil Hunter... Yeah, thirteen and a half sacks this year. I forget now if he he. I think he's on a run of double digit sack seasons. I'm not exactly sure how many he's at now. But where did this guy come from, Wes? Because yeah. because when he first came into the league, nobody was talking about no. this guy, and he's he's now one of the premier pass rushing defensive ends, not just in the NFC North, not just in the NFC, the entire league. This guy this guy is uh, is one who really, really wrecks offensive game plans. So Packers get a lot of flack for their 2015 NFL draft. Uh, and, and the thing that I think people don't really realize when you go back and look at it, the 15 draft wasn't an overly fruitful draft for really the entire league. It was a down year for the most part. Yeah. The Minnesota Vikings, much like I always compared, like the 2011 draft wasn't a great year for teams in general, but Seattle ended up building a Super Bowl contender out of that draft. I look at the 2015 group much similar for the Vikings. That was a transformative uh, year for them, yeah. coming off of 14 and getting bar. And you look at their 15 draft here. You got Daniel Hunter, Daniel Hunter in the third round of that draft. You got Eric Kendricks in the second. You got Trey Waynes in the first. Oh, and then, by the way, Anthony Harris was a college free agent that year. You mentioned him with the five picks this year. The thing that strikes me the most about Hunter is so often with defensive ends or outside linebackers, it takes time for them to really find their footing. His weakest year, his least you know, statistically you know, best year, was six sacks his rookie season. Yeah, He went to 12 the year after that. And then it was seven and a half, and now he's been going up and up and up. He's a problem. He's yeah, a problem he for defensive lines. And the reason why Minnesota has been able to sustain their success with their defense is because it's had other players emerge. It was Everson Griffin for a while, and he's still very formidable with eight sacks this season. But Hunter has kind of grabbed that role now, and he's become one of the faces of this defense. And seeing his maturation over the last four years and how he's turned himself into a complete player and not just a pass rusher, it's been one of the most impressive things about Mike Zimmer's unit. Yeah, I think I think that's what we've seen with this with this Zimmer defense over the years. I mean, a couple years ago, I remember feeling like in the 2017 game at U.S. Bank Stadium, I know that was the game Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but I felt like walking out of the building that day, 
it was like, boy, Harrison Smith was the best player on yeah. the field today. You know, <clears throat> then there are times I've watched Packers Vikings games and gone, boy, Xavier Rhodes looked like the yeah. best player on the field today. Now it's it's as though, as you say, the guy who has who has grabbed onto that is Daniil Hunter, and he's the guy who really makes this defense go. Not to not to take anything away from those other guys who are still very solid professional football players who really know what they're doing, and these guys have played together for a long time. But it seems the Vikings continue to have these guys that rise up to that level as uh, as just the guys in the spotlight, and uh, they they take advantage of it, and everybody kind of gravitates towards that and 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 that's where they go it seems like hunter is that guy this year yeah he definitely is and it's interesting too because you and i will go here we'll preview these teams every single week these defenses every single week on the show and and everybody else does it too right and every once in a while it's like okay you know who the big hitters are those are the guys you hit on when you talk about minnesota you can go nine ten deep talking about their stars I mean, yeah. they just have so many different guys and actually i think they have some really good reserves too they brought back andrew sandejo He's been the primary backup now at safety. He already has two picks. Yeah, he's got, got a couple of picks right after he came back. So, to, I mean, they, they're just so diverse with their talent and where it comes from. And, and when they have a uh, spot open up, they have guys who fill it. And it's allowed them to be able to sustain this. Because for so often, Mike, when a defense reaches its pinnacle, when it's one of the, considered one of the top defenses in the league, it's so hard to hold on to that because a lot of times you have a lot of veteran players who sometimes start to be on the downside of their career. Minnesota has bucked that trend and they continue to be one of the league's best. Now, are they as dominant statistically as they've been in previous years? Probably not. But with the way that the offense is playing and the fact that special teams is kind of picking them up too at points this season, mm-hmm. they haven't really needed to be. Yeah. Well, before we go on today's show, we do want to talk about the Pro Bowl announcement, which yeah. was made on <clears throat> Tuesday night. The Packers with two Pro Bowl selections, quarterback Aaron Rodgers, left tackle David Bakhtiari. For Rodgers, it's his eighth Pro Bowl selection, so he is now only one behind Brett Favre and Forrest Gregg for the most in by a single player in Packers history. Favre and Gregg both were chosen nine times. Bakhtiari... Congratulations to David, yeah. uh, an overdue honor. I think he would even admit, while this has been a very, very solid season for him, and I think Bakhtiari has played better in the second half of the season this year than he did in the first half, he would not say this is his best season, but this is the year that he gets the Pro Bowl recognition after three straight years of getting either second or first team All-Pro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and for that very reason, I want to just go out there right now and congratulate Zedarius and Preston Smith on their Pro Bowls in 2020 because that's typically <laughs> how this process ends up working. Right. I mean, I don't even want – don't get me started on – one of the Smiths, okay. Both of the Smiths not making it? Come on, bro. Come on. Yeah. Um, but Bakhtiari, this – it's funny. I mean, he was a three-time All-Pro, a first-team All-Pro – uh, last year, and he couldn't get the he couldn't get the Pro Bowl nod. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 good for him. He finally did it. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, the litany of times that he's been named to that team. G- give a quick shout out to Mason Crosby. That's a difficult thing to be a first alternate at kicker. They only pick one, uh, and you know Mason is is right there now. The Packers hope that he won't be able to do it. He won't <laughs> be able to fill in. But you know, obviously, that's something too that uh, for him at this juncture his career, everything he went through this year, that's really special for him to get that acknowledgement. Yeah, and I know a lot of fans, a lot of fans are up in arms about the Smiths and about Aaron Jones with the you know being second in the league. I get Jones more though, that. right? Because yeah, the running back I do, thing I is do tough. too. I do too. What I was the going Smiths to what been. I was going to say though, as much as I would I would like to have seen Crosby make it, 
I'm glad he got first alternate. So if, if the Packers aren't in the Super Bowl, he does have a chance maybe yeah. to, to get that call and, and to have that honor. To me, the biggest snub, if you're looking for the snub storyline for the Packers, the biggest snub of the whole thing to me is that Brian Balaga did not even make an alternate list yeah, out of right. this thing. With the season that he's having, are you kidding me? Look at the rushers. Look at the edge rushers that he's gone up against, especially in the first half of the season. And I know there's a recency thing to all this. The the opponents the Packers have played later in the season are not some of the ones that they had earlier in the year. He was going up against a murderer's row of edge rushers throughout the first half of the season. He was putting together a tremendous year. And for him just not even to be on an alternate list anywhere, I think is I think it's it it says all you need to know about the process, which is why I try not to get too worked up about well the tough thing is is i I have so much respect for the ap because they made a modification a few years ago that finally allowed right tackles to get their due yes instead Um, instead of just picking two tackles tackles. who were usually both blindside you know left tackle because here's a spoiler alert they're two different positions (laughs) can't just do the same thing at either one of them and brian balaga i think and hopefully here we'll, we'll figure out all pros here in a couple weeks i'm hoping uh, he gets that acknowledgement because his career definitely deserves it. Basically, if you're not Lane Johnson, it's going to be tough to be a right tackle that makes an all uh, Pro Bowl. And unfortunate for Brian Balaga, I think he is the best performing right tackle in the game right now for the reasons that you mentioned. The answers to the test are there. You've seen his yeah. work this whole season, what he's played through, the, what he's put himself into. And I real I realize there can be all kinds of nuances between who gets it and who gets alternates and stuff. Right. I think the Smiths are dealing with that. Crosby, to a certain extent, dealing with that. But when I saw the full list last night, and I was working, you know, and posting a, a story on our website, that I, the fact that I listed all of these guys for the Packers who are alternates. Um, and that I did not type Brian Balaga's name into that story. I was just I was just in disbelief that he didn't at least get on some kind of an alternate list. I didn't get it. We we're at a point where the I, I was thinking about this last night. Um, should the Pro Bowl teams be expanded? And the reason I mention that is okay. So they pick three quarterbacks, right? They pick three offensive tackles. Uh, the the outside linebackers and edge rushes are basically the same position. If you're a four three outside linebacker, good luck making a Pro Bowl team. Right. Uh, it's just it's very interesting with the with yeah, the way is. that it's 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 a it's an imperfect science with the variance certainly. that there's been now with that um it, that that one confuses me because it's just it's one of these things where hey the running backs I get it man Delvin Cook uh, McCaffrey and Zeke Elliott they don't get much better than that in the yeah. entire football league but some of these positions it's like Really? That's the best way to... We're going to do this? That's how we're going to pick it? I don't know. That's something I think we should be looking for. By the way, just want to do a quick shout-out for Rick Lovato making the the Pro Bowl team for Philadelphia. A gentleman and a scholar... A yeah. total professional during his time in Green Bay. Glad to see him being able to get that acknowledgement. Yeah, it's always that's always cool. I think for the specialists, and I think that's why I, you know, you and I had talked about it throughout the year. We were kind of holding out hope for Crosby a little bit, I, and I know it's not a career achievement right. award, but for a guy who's played as long as he have, and he, as long as he has, and he really is on the top of his game right now with with what he's doing. Um, I was I was sad to see that he didn't get it. I'm glad that he got first alternate because we'll see what happens from there. Yeah. But uh, but it's I, I for those specialist guys, I always think it's kind of a cool deal. This is a tough one because you know pulling myself back a little. Will Lutz has had a phenomenal season. Yeah. And if you no go doubt. if you know anything about the Saints storylines, the kicks that that guy's had to make this year to win them ball games. Yeah. He's definitely a Pro Bowler, but. 
we'll we'll see how the rest of this shakes out. Hopefully for the Packers' sake, they're in the pro, they're in the Super Bowl. It's like a Jordy Nelson type thing where he had the 1500 yard season, but he didn't make the you know because there's other things going on. Hopefully it works out you know in that in that regard. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and be sure to check out the Packers YouTube channel for all kinds of great video content. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.